Welcome to this week's free TF. Soap is a free one. <laughs> hey, <Soap>. you know what? <laughs> it's different from what it was. I'm fine with that. Also, we're going free. Before we get. <laughs> uh, don't want your freedom. <laughs> I'm Captain George. I'm Captain George Michael Price. We're Trans Kakistan. <laughs> look, look. Recording the free one. Here's the thing. Building I want to start out there. I want to start the free one uh, with a bit of a struggle session um, okay. Okay. in the last two days because my girlfriend has texted me while I've been ending conversations with both of you. Mm. I have on two separate occasions ended those conversations by saying, okay, love you. Yes. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> At the end of the podcast, we all kiss each other on the lips. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Even we all... Alice, we drive up there. That's kiss right. Her on the lips. I commute down to sleep in a big bed with all of you in the studio. That's right. Yeah. But we record separately because that's a matter of honor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it would right. Be unchaste to record in the same room. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. So, um, mm. I, I decided I don't want to keep that to myself. I need to uh, learn and grow and stop <laughs> signing off. Calls. Yeah, lo- love you too, babe. Mm. Wow, <laughs> like, men, men would literally rather start a podcast than say "Okay, love you" to their friend. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, at some point, uh, it may happen that. If my girlfriend texts me mm. while I'm signing off, because I guess I must have just the brain of a poodle. Yeah. Uh, what was really yeah. funny was switch. the moment when you made the realization after you said, okay, love you, you said, oh no, not that. Which is the funniest <laughs> fucking way of phrasing that realization. No, 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 no. <laughs> not again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Pride Month, yeah. right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, mm. that's absolutely right. So, um, a hearty love you, babe, to the listeners. Yeah, that's um, right. It is TF. It's the free TF. We're we're here talking. <laughs> hearty, like who's my little? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are tousling all of the listeners' hair. Yeah, yeah who's yeah, a good boy? Yeah. Who's a good boy? Yeah, we've got little pet names for the listener. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> we're slowly bridging this from like cutesy relationship stuff to just dog. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to bridge that divide for like, a long time. Who's a good boy? <laughs> Uh, You want to go for a walk? (laughs) Um, Of course. Uh, Look, it's time. There's there's some Mm. stuff that's been happening. We're going to talk about it. Oh, there always is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, I want to open up um, today's episode with a little bit more of a serious matter, um, which is that... Yeah, you have some thoughts about the new Call of Duty. Kirsty Alsop has uh, accidentally eaten one of her AirPods after Mm. mistaking it for a vitamin. I'm okay. I'm deeply impressed by this because I saw she posted a picture, right, to attempt to uh, explain how this happened. And it's like a picture of her palm full of vitamins and then an AirPod in them. And the AirPod is at least three times the size of the next of the next largest tablet. And it's like, how are you just swallowing that without noticing? What kind of gullet does this woman have? She's like a fucking pelican. This is why so- this is why we have to subsidize rent to own landlords or, or buy to rent landlords rather is because uh, hmm. you know without the guiding hand of the Conservative Party, they would just have died from eating stuff that you shouldn't eat. Like, I, I gen- mm. genuinely, the ability right, is- to discern food of a fucking goose. It's- <laughs> I, honest, honestly, like, this is also someone who, again, for American listeners, uh, sort of makes a name for herself every three months. She was, I don't know, like a, a TV person or something. She's also point. an aristocrat. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. she sort yeah, of she, made a she name for herself. She was like herself. a TV estate agent, like a realtor. 
Yeah, so her and um, Phil, what's his face? Kirsty and Phil, they do uh, Location, 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 which is a show where they uh, help uh, yuppies decide what house they want to buy. And, and so she quite often will sort of, you know, write a column or go online or whatever and sort of excoriate the, uh, the young for living in an economy that yeah, has if, uh, if got wage raises in line with housing prices. Yeah, if yeah. you didn't pay for Netflix, you would be able to afford a house kind of She's thing. She's one of those people. One yeah, of those yeah, yeah. I get, although from her and Phil, I get a kind of like uh, Piers Morgan and Susanna Moore vibe. Like I think, I think Phil might be based. Uh-huh. This is my suspicion about Phil because if you if you watch the program, like the the vibes between the two of them are very different. So, I, I want Phil to speak out about the AirPods swallowing. I want to know what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, right? What, what this sort of uh, sort of makes me think of is like it, it's like it was. This is someone who has lived her entire fucking life with training wheels. Yeah, uh, you know when, when not only you know an aristocrat, but also sort of mostly came up when houses were a tenor. Yeah. Um, and this and and just like it, it's like being uh, the uh, the AirPod swallowing thing means that just like it's mm. like being scolded by a baby. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like this is and it's it's the whole generation of people for whom if like or at least many of whom the, the ones that did sort of you know find comfort in in life sort of found it very very easily. Um, it's very clear that uh, they absolutely. Are uh, <laughs> it's, they're like a panda. They're just evolutionarily not able to like be a viable species. <laughs> yeah, you, have to, you have to dress up mm. as a buy to let landlord in order to get around yeah. them, so that you don't frighten them. Yeah. They refuse to fuck. Um, <laughs> Kirsty Olsop in a special enclosure, and we're introducing another posh show. Yeah. <laughs> seeing if they don't. There were some other details about this which I found fascinating, which were that her explanation as to how the AirPod had gotten mixed up with the vitamins in the first place. She was like, right, so I poured out all my vitamins. And then I put them in my pocket while I went to get a glass of water. Why would you put things you're going to put in your mouth in your pocket? Why would leave them on the table? Swallowing a load of like pocket lint. Imagine if if she had to live life on a zero hours contract. She would have like she would have starved figuring out how to like get a toddler would do. Right, this is my food pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Got a few biscuits in here. <laughs> just sort of being being scolded about not owning a house by someone who has a melted chocolate bar visibly dripping out of every pocket. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm saving this cornetto for later. Yeah, oh, I, put, I put some cheese in this one. Mm. And th- and then she said that she only noticed that she'd swallowed her AirPod when she realised that one of her AirPods was missing and joined the dots. How did you not like? Surely, if nothing else, as you were swallowing it, you'd be like, "That's not right. <laughs> That's the, the a large gullet. item." The gullet on this woman. I mean, how? How no, was what, this possible? What that gullet do though? Uh, so this is um, a full this- Nancy Reagan mm. there. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> just in a non-sexual way. <laughs> yeah, no, only for just swallowing large objects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like, um, who was that French dude who just ate stuff? Did um, he eat a plane at some yeah, point? No, yeah, no, no, no. Different guy. The like uh, 18th century French guy who just ate oh, right. like babies and stuff. That guy. Oh, like Tarare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like Tarare, yeah. but like for, you know, AirPods. We could do a version of that. Do you remember that YouTube channel that used to be Will It Blend, where they'd put stuff in a blender? This is like real like early YouTube shit. We could do one, like, can Kirsty Allsop swallow it? Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. or alternatively, and the answer like, is always yes. Whole well, I pineapple. Think it's, there's a, I think the, 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 okay, look, I've got a media property here, so uh, trademark, copyright, can't copy it. Yeah, patent pending, uh, patent pending. a version of the show old enough, right? Mm-hmm. But... 
it entirely is, for yeah. the British media class. Absolutely. Yeah. They th- have th- to this do... is a this is a like forty three year old woman. Let's see if she can go mm. to the shops by herself. What, and we've what? got cameras stationed strategically yeah. to what see is what old enough, can do. I, I'm imagining a sort of cursed libertarian yeah, yeah. dating uh, old, show. Old, old enough, enough old is, enough is a Japanese show. reality show where they try and get like kids to do errands and then film yeah. them. But, but they're like errands that are slightly too difficult for them. Yeah, so, oh, yeah like, like you're th- going out to do the weekly cum shop. No, <laughs> it's more like a three a three year old will like go and like buy the stuff for dinner from the shop by themselves. And oh, okay. I, I would love to see, as you said, uh, Alice, a British media class version of old enough where mm. it's like we've assigned we've assigned Julie Birchill to uh, go around the t- go around the Tesco and, and just pick up and pick up some stuff for tonight. Yeah, I tried I'm- to ask someone to get the stuff off the top shelf for me, but no one could understand what I was saying. They started spraying me with holy water. <laughs> yeah, so telling me to leave. <laughs> Kirsty, age fifty, is yeah. going to go down the shops yeah. all by herself. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's just say I was only fifty then, Len. <laughs> um, uh, I want to also talk about another, um, another sort of update from, I'd say, mm. someone whose journey we have been following. Oh, we mm. love a journey on this show. Um, Matt Hancock has yes. been cutting up the dance floor at, uh, I think. Park End in Oxford. Oh, uh, fuck. He's been, he's been at Lava Ignite. <laughs> and uh, also has recently pledged to climb Mont Blanc for some poorly defined charitable he's, purpose. He's having he's a... get the pen from the top. The special pen. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the, you know, the Excalibur. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah also, writing Swiss accounts. J- j- just to return previously to one thing. I looked up Kirsty Orsoff on Wikipedia. Uh, just to find out how old she was in order to land that previous joke. And in the personal life section, it has three paragraphs about her personal life, and then a whole paragraph about the AirPod incident. In June 2022, (laughs) Alsop accidentally swallowed an Apple AirPod, but was able to regurgitate it without medical assistance. (laughs) That's so unfortunate when something like that ends up indelibly on your Wikipedia. Yeah, leave that that in the personal life section forever, please. Thank you. It's the sort of thing that never, never happened to celebrities 40 years ago. We just didn't have this, you know. We didn't have small technology. The technology was too big to eat. It's not on, like, Mick Jagger's Wikipedia. Times he had to have something pulled out of his ass in A and E or whatever. No one knows about that. (laughs) No, let's talk Matt Hancock uh, because Matt Hancock has been going through something of a midlife crisis. I think. Yeah, but you you know, I love this for him. He really seems like he's thriving. A midlife Um, being cool crisis. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna Um, get like a cool car. Um, Gonna start wearing a bunch of like really bright colors. You Man, know. do you want to buy a BMW? The stereo totally works. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you recall, right, what um, mm. Matt, Matt Hancock has been just sort of floating from job to job. I still remember, like, there was one article that just talked about how he once showed up at a pub by a canoe uh, with Amazing. his now estranged family. Yeah, he just uh, paddled but- to the canoe uh, to the pub. Uh, perfect, you know. Yeah, but no, so, Hancock. So what he did was uh, he. And, and this is like. Especially in the context of, like, again, like revelations about you know other yeah Chris um, Pencher, yeah. Uh, fucking unnamed as yet Tory MP, uh, a shitload of others like the Conservative Party and particularly the Parliamentary Conservative Party, absolute hotbed of uh, let's say the the bad kind of sexual perversion, the non consensual mm. kind of sexual mm. perversion. Uh, but Matt Hancock, our boy, got fired for sexual misconduct yeah. in public office, and for what? 
For what? For cheating yeah. on his wife with, with a the woman? woman he was in love with. Y- Number yeah, one. Who, he's, right. They were he's, in love together. He's, he's I, still with her, which is great. Hancock's She's standing by life. him. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, right, the reason why he got fired for it is because he forgot that every cabinet minister just has a CCTV camera in their office that transmits directly to the Daily Mail newsroom. Yeah, he mm. just forgot about it. Yeah. yeah, and they just turn them on or off at random. Yeah, but but now, right, like, it, it, so this is... This is a, a man. This is a man who is uh, now entering his his second adolescence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, look, if we're going to at, at this point, I, I wish him every political ill, but I wish him well personally mm. because, that's like, the thing. like he, this, right? he's the yeah, least personally venal Tory. Because, uh, like, as we've as we've mentioned before, Matt Hancock statistically did kill your nan with COVID, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just that, like, body count in the. In yeah. the tens of thousands. Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. just that any other conservative in that role not only would have killed your nan with COVID, but have done so out of like personal malice rather than incompetence. And yeah. it, when the bar Matt is was like earnestly trying to save your nan, he's yes. just a dog. Yeah, he's just a moron <laughs> yeah. dog. And because it's the picture of the dog wearing the like doctor <laughs> headgear, just yeah. with a tongue hanging he's out. No of its idea mouth. what he's doing. And because yeah. the sort of ethical bar is buried so deep in the bedrock, him doing a neat little parkour flip over it makes him the least reprehensible conservative by an mm. order of magnitude. And this yeah. is why I don't think I even wish him every political ill, because I sort of accept the fact that the Tories are basically in power more or less forever, kind of as a fait accompli. So if it has to be one of them, I want it to be well, Matt Hancock. Th- th- think about this. Who else could it be? It could be Dominic Raab, uh, might get oh. us all killed, not very funny. Liz Truss no. will certainly get us all killed, pretty funny. Or, yeah, pretty funny to be fair. Or Matt Hancock. Almost certainly get us all killed, but hysterical. I know I reckon, who my I reckon are. Matt Hancock could make an agreement with Putin. I think Matt Hancock is he, he's <laughs> so stupid down that he would run for on some him. Tiny jockey furniture with Putin. Like he takes he takes Putin parkouring, and like Putin is and like respects him. He's like the only Western leader who's in physical shape. So it's, uh, but what he's doing now, basically, have met with your leader, Matt Hancock. He is um, strong. I have met with him. It's, it's, it's unpredictable, right? Yeah. Because Putin really likes Macron, who is not a guy you would have in mind for someone Putin would like. So, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think Putin and Putin and Matt Hancock I, I, would get along. I think it, yes, I, I like mm. your your leader, this Matt Hancock. He is uh, he is he is he is like a how like, you say, like an English Macron alcohol syndrome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I show him fidget spinner, which I invent. He, he was very impressed by this, asked if he could keep. I tell him no. <laughs> I've invented this device most of all for our colleagues in the West. So, but also, like, so now he, he, goes to a, he goes to a dinner at his old, um, old college, mm. goes dancing with his friends. He's climbing Mont Blanc with his new girlfriend, who he, awesome. got, who he got fired for loving. Wait, is he? Oh, oh no! Is Matt Hancock's new girlfriend putting him in some kind of Gone Girl situation where she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna disappear from the top of the mountain and then make it look like he pushed her off? Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt said, Matt, I've, no. Matt We're said, having, tra- to, having to rapidly turn Trash Future into a, a true crime podcast. <laughs> we will free Matt Hancock. That's right, the Matt Hancock Innocence Project. That's we will us. do. Mm. We will. We will. We will lose all of our support. Pivot the podcast to be serial and then exonerate <laughs> Matt Hancock. We lose all of our current listeners, and somehow the podcast becomes bigger than it's ever been well, yeah, because it's true, true, crime. It's true, true crime. crime. True crime is win yeah. by default. Basically. We all just become. We're like wearing clothes made of solid gold, like. <laughs> 
smoking cigars. Yeah. So Matt stay said, sexy and don't get murdered by Matt Hancock. So it says mm. Matt, Matt, who has been training for for the trek since the start of the year to climb Mont Blanc, will attempt the climb with his partner uh, Gina uh, Gina uh, Coladangelo and a guide. Matt mm. said, "I've always had a love of the mountains." And although I'm not an expert climber, I enjoy a big challenge. <laughs> Taking on this breathtaking trek is something I've always wanted to do. I've been training and will be going out to the Alps at the start of the parliamentary recess this summer to make the attempt. It sounds like, because like, he has the childlike innocence of what I did for my summer holiday. Yeah. It's so good. He's, they've translated this from Matt's French GCSE oral exam, which he was taking. <laughs> <laughs> Le Weekend Dernier by Matt Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, look. I, I, again, I want to. I, I do want to emphasize that we, again, in no way support Matt Hancock. I think we just recognize that as long as the Tory Party is going to be around, everyone involved in it is going to kind of try to kill us all in some way or another. It might as well be the funniest one. Yeah, yeah and I'm it might as well the, be the one without the least personal malice. Yeah, the Jay most- Aleo Cinema Avec Meko Pan Prime Ministership. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, look, we'd rather they weren't in power at all, but. Given that this is the what, give, uh, given a leadership contest between them, let's at least have the yeah, funny c- one. Consi- yeah. Consider this a sort of Tory Kremlinology, right? We don't have any yeah. power to influence this stuff, but it's who we hope wins out in this little sort of factional power struggle here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, um, I wanted to go back to speaking of power struggles. I want mm-hmm. to talk about one political uh, contest in which I think we all have much more of an actual stake as opposed to just. Hey, this is a funny shadow when it goes on the cave wall. Strikes, 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 strikes. Is it hottest trash future host? (laughs) (laughs) Big vote. That's right. It's the most important one. I'm suffering from success winning that poll back to back to back. (laughs) So uh, just a little bit of um, context setting here. Uh, Since we last discussed uh, the strikes, not only have um, Heathrow uh, uh, check-in staff voted to go on strike, but also... Uh, I believe the CWU has balloted for a strike. Yep, postal uh, the, workers. Yep, that's the postal workers, and I believe also a lot of uh, BT workers as well. Yep, uh, yep are yep. going to be joining them. Doctors, uh, as well. junior doctors, doctors, doctors criminal barristers. As oh, the, well. cri- the criminal bar has been uh, absolutely worse than decimated under conservative rule. So yeah, matter of time. Also, and um, this is this is where things take a little turn ethically. You know who else is not going on strike because they legally can't, but is doing a work-to-rule mm. overpay? Mm-hmm. The Scottish Police Federation. They're going to oh. stop doing unpaid overtime, and they're not going to go to work early uh, mm. because they, they can't go on strike. Because, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a recurring theme that we've been, we've been talking about on the show forever, which is that like the Conservatives so ruthlessly committed to austerity that they don't even pay the people that you want to like stop yeah, people protesting. Yeah, you don't pay the goons. Yeah, yeah. The the cops are government expenditure, and therefore it's communism. That's sorry. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what were they originally formed for? Strike breaking? No, yeah. sorry. I'm no. afraid we can't afford strike breakers. <laughs> no, no. Um, that would be funny. too left wing. Bang the strike breakers. Um, yeah, you should be strike. You should be volunteer strike breaking. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the the overall thing here is, of course, that like a relentless hostility to the idea that any kind of job in the public sector should be something that's financially tenable. Like that, you shouldn't be able to earn a living from doing anything that, like, even nominally serves the public trust whatsoever. Um, And so, with all of that in mind, um, I I sort of some headline figures. This was from an opinion poll uh, collected at the time that you will be listening to this last week, Mm. uh, which is that public opinion has vastly has been made a huge uh, switch. Um, 
not only were they were mildly supporting the strikes before, they are now um, supporting the strikes by a factor of like 8%, 45% uh, support, 37% opposed, the rest don't know, which is quite significant. I mean, you know, we, we talked the last time we talked about the, about the strikes that Ken Clark already, already said from the, the Tories, Ken Clark said, look, mm. we don't, the government doesn't have long to fix this because public opinion will switch against us pretty soon. And, yeah, I mean, and I don't now want it has. To, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tried observation, but it is worth reiterating, I think. It's like, if you do a media round that's good and you can like advocate for your point of view well, it's actually quite useful and effective. Um, so well, There's a reason, right, that... Um, that there's, there's a reason why they reason... had to destroy the previous guy who tried to do that, so... Yeah, and, and there's mm. a reason why they're so sort of defensive of their sort of ownership of the media space. It's yeah, so where the, the ideology comes from. they're going through Lynch's bins right now. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, we knew that the strikes were going to succeed as soon as Keir Starmer distanced himself from them. Keir Starmer's yes. like a weather vane for like what the winning side is, because he <laughs> will move away from that as quickly as possible. Um, but you know, so we I, I also like, you know, and this is, as we say, right, uh, uh, despite the Labour Party's best efforts, mm. public support uh, for the strikes is climbing. They've not been able to cobble together a, um, a statement, a, a position really coherent among all of them. Some have been taking a good position, others have not. Mm. Um, but, but basically saying, I think, we are in the business of winning elections, not supporting strikes, while public support for the strikes is happening, really, I think, is about the labor, labor, new labor leadership saying, we are in the business of just follow, trying to understand and follow public opinion and treat politics like any other product that can be marketed. And that public opinion just so happens to be formed by a political media environment that makes the Tories the natural party of government, mm. right? But here, there is an example of collective action and, and again to, to, it's easy to overstate the role of the guy that goes on tv and it's a very oh, important sure. role but i think here is an example of public opinion being changed by the application of politics mm. right yeah um, you can actually drive uh, like public perception but again we had a guy who tried to do that and uh you know <laughs> had to marshal all the sort of forces of darkness against him and uh you know so now this is just I, I think it's important to view this as a sort of continuation of the same energy that led to Corbynism as a like a philosophy yeah. or whatever. Because we can talk about the um sort of the arrogance of the establishment that having destroyed Corbyn as a political project, they then like dusted their hands and went, Well, never gonna have to deal with any of this ever again. Time to continue to cut wages. Time None to of make... the underlying conditions yes. will persist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pro the problems are very bad, but the causes are very good, so we're gonna do more mm. causes and hope no more problems show up. Because I think that's that's right to say, right, that it was from 2008, there was this sense that most people need to have a functional society in order to live the kind of lives they people, want to lead. People Wait, have this irritating habit of needing doctors or needing a train to show up on Pussies. time. Yeah. How about you run there and then you won't need a doctor because <laughs> you'll be fit, like uh, Putin. People, people like having like the, uh, the Royal Mail, they like having that. Um, I mean, yeah, you can argue about whether this is right or ethical, but just on the numbers, people like having police around, even. Just, and, and, and I think if, if that's not... Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise who's going to call them a gentleman? Yeah, well, and exactly. ask if they were involved in an altercation with the lady. <laughs> that's right. I, I people like, like having a public sector, people like having public services, uh, but we're mm. governed by a bunch of hooting morons who are insistent on the idea that, no, we shouldn't have any of those things, and you're an idiot if you want them or like them. And, and I think really, like, there... The, it, it's it's important to to sort of remember that there is mm. that just because they cut the head off the hydra, they cut the first head off the hydra, which was the attempt jam, to jam solve, hydra. Yeah, 
Well, it was the attempt to solve these problems by seizing one particular very important political office. And it did, you know, it came close to working and then didn't. But that didn't end the need. And, mm. I, th- and I think it's right to say that what we're, say- what we're seeing is some of the same things attempted, but with more of a use of actual power than an attempted use of purely institutional power. Right. Are you saying that the revolution says, I was, I am, I shall be? Mm. Um, well, what I, I think what, what I'm saying, right, is as ever... Gilles, Micklin Gilles, Micklin I think what I'm saying is that once again, we have seen a, a curse of the inability to remember as yeah. though the, the result of the politicization um, that people underwent as a result of the financial crisis, the first outcome of that, the first sort of uh, effect of that ultimate cause was you know uh, was was Corbynism as was an approximate uh, effect of a number of other causes as well, but that was one of it, one of them. And then, but that that they, they as you said that didn't go away. That ultimate cause didn't go away, and here it is back again. But I would argue in a much stronger form hmm. uh, because it is much not much more decentralized, much more yeah. bottom up, which I like yeah. mm. absolutely. And and you know that's. Because there was a massive, I think there's, it's easy to, it's easy for us to say like, um, uh, you know, lo- looking at the, uh, at electoral politics and saying the left must X, the left must Y, etc, uh, etc. Et Not for us to do that, but for others. Um, and to say, and for us to give the rejoinder, okay, well, what left are you talking about? You're talking about people mm-hmm. you see on Twitter. But that there, ha- there is a left and we are seeing mm-hmm. it in motion. That, and when you say the left, you should be talking about this stuff, these people. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the you know, uh, something class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, what, no, 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 not those people. You know, and and what, <laughs> I think one of the things that we're we're learning as well, right? If we try to remember, you know, do that thing that only we seem to do, mm. uh, we and people we know, um, is, is that what we learned in it's the a last heavy six burden years. being the only smart people. <laughs> <laughs> I mm. think I think that the when we talk about you know the the left is being the only political tendency in Britain with a power to remember things that happened more than six months ago. Mm. Um, and sometimes more recently than that, like definitely the d- the dementia is degenerating quite fast. I think in British public yeah, life, because of all the AirPods they keep eating. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all that lithium is making them much yeah. less depressed. <laughs> but right, where, where you know we what one thing you see right is that uh, is that the restriction of the kind of uh, of of let's say the Labour Party approach, right? The Labourist approach, the Starmerist approach of um of com- of sell people what they want. And assume that they get their ideology as alienated subjects, just sort of scattered around the country, uh, just sort of passively consuming news, and then appealing to the manias that that generates. Mm. What you get when you when you have these kinds of actions, not only do you get people seeing others winning, right? You see an actual a demand for a better life, not just being articulated, but then being fought for. Like with for like with uh, the force of a strike, for example, with, with force brackets legal, yes, <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, and or also even if you are in one of those organizations, then you're not getting your ideology. Uh, you're not getting your understanding of the world as an alienated subject, cut off from your fellow humans, just being made nervous by the news media day after yeah. day after day. Mm. You're getting your understanding of the world from your these other people who you share a common. Uh, goal with and a common set of practices and a some common kind institution, of, some kind of solidarity or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. And you know, it's that your, your trusted sources of information become your associations rather than yeah, the alienated world of staring your computer, wondering who's behind all the problems. But that's what I'm and, doing now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and the and you know the um just to go back to the uh, the idea of the the arrogance of the um 
sort of various political and media elites trying to cement a world in which they, you know, they're much more powerful and people are much more alienated. And they can eat all of the AirPods they want. Yeah, they can eat all, they can have, a, they can right. be on a five, they can eat AirPod Pros. That, that fucking, um, you know, that, that uh, political cartoon from the time of the Russian Revolution where it's like a wedding cake thing of like the upper classes going all the way down to the oh, working yeah, class yeah. holding up, but the people right at the top are just eating headphones out of a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's their extravagant. <laughs> Let them eat AirPods. And, and so the, the need to have a functional society doesn't go away, and that need is expressed in different ways as these, uh, you might say, the contradiction heightener gets turned to extreme. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's very funny to be like, well... We've defeated Jeremy Corbyn, and now it's fine that, you know, a three-bedroom terraced house in Walthamstow costs 900 grand. There's no need to address this. This won't cause any further problems. We can just keep shutting hospitals down until there's kind of one doctor in one bed. And we just are going to keep going with that process, and I assume it will never reach a point where... Uh, there is active resistance to it. In the future, everyone will go to hospital, but only for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, your doctor has to like talk to you at like mm. an M&M wrapping speed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lupus, lupus. Um, but so the, like, I want to talk a little more about like some of the doctors as well, right? Because the, the demands being made in many cases are just like the reversal of wages lost since 2008. And a lot of that, like the ability to say, to stand up and say, I demand... That you know, my, my pay be restored to what it would have been before, you know, um, before you know, I say the tail end of new labor, and then um, and then the coalition sort of came in and started cutting it. Essentially, mm. it is a, a, a number one. It's a it is a it's a born from the same place, the two thousand eight recession. That's sort of this gaping wound in our society that's been allowed to just sort of rot and get further opened. <laughs> um, but it's it's partly the. Seeing yeah, our gaping the success, society. Yeah, our gaping society. <laughs> the goatsy society. It's, but it's seeing the success that uh, that other unions have had. Mm. It's those unions like working, working uh, uh, sort of in not necessarily in concert, but working at the same time at least. And so doctors are going to demand a thirty percent pay rise, because um, that's what they've sort of said that the real terms uh, pay cuts to salaries have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is from um, from the press. Says presenting a motion to the conference, Dr. Emma Runswick said, "Pay restoration is the right, just, and moral thing to do. Every part of the BMA needs to plan for how to achieve this." But I'm not foolish. I know that it's likely that industrial action will be required to move the governments on this issue. Um, all around us, workers are coming together in trade unions and winning big. Last month, Manchester binmen uh, got 22 percent. Gatwick Airport workers won 21 percent. All Mark, politics in this country is about the bins. Yeah. I've been saying this, yeah. and the, Manchester this... bin men is the uh, the rival band of Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads. <laughs> but it has a it, like. It, I mean, she said very well there. It's, it has a you know it has a positive feedback loop. People see strikes working and conclude that you know they should also strike. It's a good idea. Um, but also, like, if you remember what we did the last time that we sort of realized that we very very much depend on doctors to keep this aging society afloat. Hmm. Is the, no, the, I can't remember that. Well, it's the, we, the Woolwich we had, Ferry did donuts in the Thames. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, we, we had everybody like stop and clap for them and bang yeah, pots and pans. And we had Captain Tom. Yeah, we you know him. he was helping the doctors. Yeah, he was uh, um, by then, making there be one less patient by going to Barbados. And then his family are uh, helping podcasters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's by right. doing some stuff allegedly. Uh, you know, so, uh, but also like. How many more donuts must the Woolwich Ferry do until you blood-sucking doctors are satisfied? Every boat globally will have to do donuts. Yeah, that's right. Until the doctors need get to, their Need fill. it to spin faster and use it as a kind of flywheel. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna look. We can solve the energy crisis if we're all thank the doctors enough 
you can bang your pots and pans together, capture the radiant energy from that. Every boat under the British flag, no matter where it is, will start spinning. We're going to block the Suez Canal again. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing. If you're is- a patient in hospital, you have to start banging pots and pans together to summon the doctor. <laughs> banging bedpans together. <laughs> That's right. They make those out of cardboard these days. It wouldn't be any good. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is, oh, God. But, like, it's, like, the, to, I just Failed think, like... Failed state, I'm telling you. Yeah. Mm. How, the, the sort of, the sheer resistance, having a functional society will... Is it's just it, it lays so bare, you know, the the emptiness of everything that has happened since COVID, especially because many of the uh, many of these strikes that have been happening are about restoration, about ma- either maintaining wage bonuses that you got during COVID, reversing cuts that happened from COVID, uh, these kinds of things. And you know, well, well, Britain banged the pots and pans together. Yet more of the um, let's say furniture of the Titanic was just sort of uh, rounded up and put into storage mm. for all the good it will do. Yeah, um, it feels like it's a critical mass thing, right? It's like at the point, like I think, like the political environment will change, and there'll be more public support for strikes and trade unions in general. At the point where more people in the wider public either have access to it themselves or see how this is part of a broader like wage thing, because I think the most powerful tool the right has is basically being like, it's, "Yeah, you doctors want more money, but your life shit." Why should their life be better and your life shit? Yeah, Which is sort of, yeah. yeah it, it's papering over the very big crack in the wall where it's like, what if nobody's life was shit? <laughs> what, what if, what if the we... end of the nobody's life being shit yeah. wedge? <laughs> what if things were slightly better mm. for everybody? Yeah. I, I think my dangerous just, idea. You, you have to kill the crab in the bucket inside your own head. You know? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, because what's, what is one of the things, right, that's common to the workforces that are going on strike, which is most of them, have been subject to sp- directly uh, to austerity uh, because mm. they're public employees or to privatization and outsourcing. Um, you know, mm. and, and the institutionally powerful so governments or those that aim to be in government uh, see the workings of the economy as something only to be managed without stakes for the people, you know, either providing the services or consuming that's, those that's services. That's the thing. They're fucking, yeah. they're technocrats in a natural party of government who don't know how to do technology and who don't know how to govern. Yeah. It's just the perfect combination. And so the, what I'm, well, I think what I'm sort of driving at here, right, is that if we are now at the point where, mm. you know, accepting that the attempt to stop this process by seizing institutional power, uh, mm. by getting Corbyn to, like, govern for 10 minutes before being assassinated uh, was mm. uh, something that failed. But then you think about the, this is in ter- thinking about this in terms of lines of defense for the concept of having a functioning society that takes over the people who are in because it's like the people who are, are, are the doctors who are striking for a higher wage what they're striking they're striking for a higher wage but they're also striking for a functioning health service the people yeah, striking like in, uh, yeah. just in ge- more in more general terms fucking some dignity as well mm. which is not something that was supplied by banging pots and pans together it turns out if, if the, mm. I wonder almost if uh, having the Woolwich Ferry do donuts in the Thames because it was uh, actually do- kind of patronizing yeah. and insulting. <laughs> it turns out, what the <laughs> fuck was with that? Yeah, what do the pros like? I mean, they boats and circles. <laughs> yeah, boat circles. No, no one even likes the Woolwich Ferry. It's the shittest way of getting across the Thames. I honestly don't understand why it still runs. <laughs> well, for the doctors, what if they need yeah. to do a donut? That's true. Yeah, it's a it's a mode of medical transport. <laughs> take, take the Woolwich Ferry for the doctors. Yeah. Um, it's the in the la- I think it's really true. Like the last line of defense for having, say, a, a railway that is safe to take or that you can take if you have like accessibility needs or whatever, is the workers themselves. 
you know, it's the and this is, I think, sort of one one Wait thing a that second. Important all this to remember. shit's built by people. <laughs> well, that's people all the way down. The fuck. Um, I thought that, I thought this was just like a sort of autoxinous, mm. like self-generating railway. Because well, also, like mm. you know, we know one of the things that I sort of you know I've been noticing. It sort of dropped out of the news a bit, but I haven't forgotten because of that curse that we all have. Mm. Uh, oh, don't worry, you, the listener to the show, also have the same curse. Um, mm. You know, the water companies are still dumping raw sewage in rivers, and the oh, trucking yeah. Tory party certainly isn't going to stop them. And the technocrats in labor are going to be too afraid to stop them. You know who's mm. probably the, the best hope of stopping the dumping of sewage in rivers? It's probably people working at the water company. Yeah, because it turns out they don't like it either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the same process driving wages down at those companies, right? We talked about the components of price with Gareth um, last week, right? Where we have the labor costs, non-labor costs, and margin. And margin must stay the same no matter what, or grow no matter what. And then mm. non-labor costs have taken a huge spike. And so labor costs are having to take a huge, um, uh, 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 you might say, uh, a haircut, right? Mm. It, the thing that makes the th- it's the same force, the need to preserve margin at a certain rate that is causing the water companies to dump sewage in the rivers, as it is, uh, as, as it is that, and that's the same tendency that the a, a theoretical strike among uh, workers at water companies would be fighting against, mm. which is you know, we're preserving margin no matter what, which is preserving just what they what the owners of the companies steal from the people who work at the water company and want a functioning water system. I, that cannot, I know that's, that's trite, but it cannot be said enough that it is the same thing. The worsening service that you receive as the, as the consumer of the service and the worsening conditions that the providers of the service have to endure, it's the same problem. And it's solved the same way by taking the power away from the people who decide what the margin rate is. Hmm. Yeah. Quite simply. Yeah. That's right. And we, we have seen some effective ways of doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, you know, it's, um, and so I think like, you know, now more than ever, uh, the, there, there is an, another opening, right? There is, just as in 2017... Yeah, no, another opening in our gaping society. <laughs> That's right, yeah. well, just We're as pulling in two- it open with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go- goatsy society. Uh, That's right. Just as in 2017, there was a peak to another way to live, mm. right? Uh, I would say we're in another such moment now. Yeah. Right. And we so, must elect heavy comer as prime minister. And so now, now more than ever, if you can join a non-scab union, join ACORN, get involved with a migrants' rights organization, it's another moment where reality is peeking through and unreality is looking a little bit ridiculous to live in. Mm-hmm. But in order to take a look at what's on the other side of that veil, you can't just vote or be a member of the Labour Party or make fun of Keir Starmer online. You have to do something. You have to join one of these types of organizations. I mean, make I think fun of Keir Starmer offline. Do, do yeah. still make fun of Keir Starmer on and offline. We encourage that. It's it's a great. It's, it's, way, it's, it's a decent amount yeah, of what we do. It's a great way to learn yeah. about your body. It's fun. It's free. Uh, it's it's a safe and legal thrill. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. But additionally, right, which ironically Keir Starmer has to support. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is like um, this is a, a time where you can find and build that power. That makes voting useful later. Mm. Um, this is a time where, and again, this is yeah, I just think fuck around, do shit, yeah. do a bunch of shit. This is why I think Experiment. I, I, get, I come get, back get crazy with it. I come back you know? especially mm. to to Acorn. Just just as, start withholding your labor just at random. Yeah. Just see what happens. <laughs> just, just at all Indivi- times. Individual your emotional right. labor. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't talk right. to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I think honestly, like if you don't if you don't if you don't if you don't work in a heavily unionized uh, industry. And if maybe the only unions that you have available to you are kind of um, 
like more scab unions um and or like some of the bigger multi-industry ones you don't uh, might not work for you uh then an organization like acorn which is the renters union is i think solving one of the biggest problems in the country which is like you know landlordism uh, mm. And actually confronting landlordism directly. Yeah, and finally uh, we can all get an equal share of the AirPods. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest British tradition of yeah. being a landlord. Uh, and so if you don't know what to do, uh, and you're British, sorry to American listeners, uh, do that. This I was at this, shit I was at this funeral like yesterday, and I was talking to uh, a guy who's like my age. We were like kind of friends. Our parents were friends as kids. And, uh, sorry, our parents were friends when we were kids, not our parents were friends when they were kids. And... Um, I was chatting to him about what he does for a living now, and he's saying that he works for Visa. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, you know, there's not really an economic condition which isn't good for Visa as a company. Like, you can't really lose money. As I'm like, it's like, it's kind of like being a landlord. And then, like, a boomer who was present at the thing just turned around and went, being a landlord's a good business. It's <laughs> like, 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 sort of Pavlovian response. Oh, yeah, being a landlord. That's, oh, oh boy, the dream. <laughs> um, but so I, I think, honestly, like, if you don't know what to do, start with Acorn, basically, and then mm. go from there. Mm. Uh, and also, like, well, all of this has been happening, right? Yeah. Well, politics has been changing on the ground through the application of class power through uh, unions. Um, Keir Starmer gave a speech at a New Statesman conference where he basically mm. said, I want, to, I, I want to emphasize that I have abandoned all 10 of my 10 pledges formally. We are not going to consider the 2017 manifesto as a starting point for our next manifesto when we go into government. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Keir Starmer to- got up there and said, sometimes you have to pretend not to hear me, yeah. and don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, got mad sometimes about- I'll just say shit, you know? Don't hold me to it. He got yeah. mad about being called boring again. Uh, he did, but he said, right, for example, <clears throat> what, we want to, what we do have to do is recognize that, having come through the pandemic, we need to look at everything in the round and make choices about where we want to put our money. Starmer said this when asked about whether he stood by his pledge to scrap tuition fees, meaning he doesn't. He suggested that he was open to reform, saying that the current arrangements don't really work for students, they don't really work for universities, so of course we're going to have to look at that. And at a time of mass support for what is swiftly becoming almost a general strike, to say, to try to galvanize support for yourself by saying, we are going to have to take a look at that. Uh, perfect. <laughs> we'll be looking into that very strongly, yeah, very, very uh, strongly. Uh, Trump's can, armor, huh? can I can I read his comments about being boring? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, th- this is just this is just a perfect two paragraphs. Asked about the shadow cabinet ministers reportedly claiming he was quote boring voters to death. Sakir replied, "I was sitting around a big table with CEOs from some of the biggest bodies and corporations around this country, and we were having a very serious discussion about what they expect from government. None of them said a few more jokes, please, a bit of a laugh. They all said we want a government which has a very clear sense of its mission." Boring wasn't on the agenda. They didn't say a few more jokes, please, Keir, because that would imply you'd told some jokes. Also, it would be very I was sitting funny. around with the other boring guys, and <laughs> yeah. they they all they, said that actually we're cool. Yeah, they said being boring is good. Actually, yeah. I mean, and also it's like, look, the CEOs they don't want they don't want someone who's fun. The CEOs mm. want someone who's going to get down to business for them. Which That's I will. Right. Yeah. Um, He's going to suck yeah. them off under the table, which I, I'm prepared to do if it comes to it. <laughs> so, left-wing critics of Starmer, this uh, continues in the New Statesman, Mm. Uh, will take his remarks as evidence that he's abandoning the policies he promised during his leadership campaign. Yeah, because we mm. remember stuff. Later, when yeah, asked he said how he, and did, and and sort of alluding to alluding to this, sort of he mixed it up with a question about uh, his, let's say, radical views as a young person with his more moderate approach. Now, Starmer said, 
If you don't change your views as you experience life, then you're probably not going to get very far. People sort of drag out something that you said 40 years ago and say, well, you've changed your mind about that. Yeah, because w- when, when you sort of ran for leader of the Labour Party on it, then <laughs> I think... Yeah. When you were a teenager at the age of 44. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When, when I was a child, I, you know, I spoke as a child, I believed childish things. And, you know, I, I grew up, I became an adult. I was already a QC when I was a child, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's right, because, yeah, it's quite, quite children. So <laughs> uh, it says, uh, well, of course I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind on loads of things. That's because I've done loads of things. It was fucking like two years ago. It was two years ago, and you're saying that's the same as mm. che- as like no longer being a teen radical. And also, you've not done anything, kid. Come on, let's be honest. Nothing has been done by you. Yeah, uh, it's the but and again, just taking this. This is just sort of again like treated as um. I, I think by the national media treated as like laudable, sensible, and to ask to sort of ask any questions or any follow up questions about why he did. You know what, like finally go on a gap year at age 45 and then like change his <laughs> yeah, mind he found politics. himself in bali sure there is zero mm. curiosity about this because it's be of course because it's being celebrated because because it represents it represents the the politics of individual of sort of distant management that enables that kind of alienated individual anxious way of living that facilitates ultimately your life getting worse and you casting about randomly on Facebook to find someone to blame. Yeah, shadows, cave wall. I said that before I went to a full moon party on Koh Samui where a, a very pretty lady <laughs> gave me a pill and I felt very good for a while and then I blacked out and I woke up and I was missing my wallet and one of my kidneys and that has had a lifelong impact <laughs> <laughs> on my politics going forward. <laughs> it's like he says, I can tell you now that the next election is going to be fought on the economy. So what? I'm gonna steadfastly refuse to engage with what the economy really is. Basically. Yes, yes, yeah. and and any of the yeah. other like actors working to influence it. I mean, that, because, we yeah. we knew that. Yeah, of course. Because it's because it's the pretend economy. You can't you can't engage with like what actually does stuff to the economy. You have to engage with what the Daily Mail thinks. You know, does stuff to the economy. Yeah. So yeah. like you can't people can't have higher wages because that would make the economy bad. Don't worry about the underlying logic there. <laughs> don't, don't ask any questions. That's just, that's just you know, that's like a maxim yeah. from God. Look, buddy, what you're trying to do is find depth in a shadow on a cave wall. Mm. That's not going to work for you. Yeah. Like he says, I can tell you the next election is going to be fought in the economy. The cost of living crisis mm. is causing such hardship for so many people. We have that's to- why I won't do anything. Well, he says, so we have to get the economy growing. Ah. That's how we're going to okay. solve the cost of living crisis you by growing our GDP. Boost, boost wages, maybe? Well, no, that because, might reduce the GDP. Well, so, because of the trickle-down effect, right? So, because when, when the economy grows, that always goes into the pockets of the people who need it most. It says, all these other issues are secondary questions to the question of how are you going to grow the economy? Make, make number go up, make line go up. Yeah, so all of these questions about real things are secondary, of secondary importance versus the shadows on the cave wall. Yeah, and also, if you want to grow the economy, that's all the shit you have to do. That's the shit that works for growing the economy. It's making sure that people have money that they fucking spend. I'm sounding like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Who are those people? It's, it's, it's as we say, it's steadfastly ignoring the politics playing out in the realm of the real, mm. which exclusively works the realm of the unreal and the fantastical. Mm-hmm. Look, here's the thing, my friends. Okay, Alice and I oh, wanted to talk about this. For we, a little we've while. we've had a lot of vegetables this episode, and. So we compensated for this with a really beautiful dessert, a little milfoy of a dessert. Unlike, unlike usual, Milo has actually read the notes. 
Yeah, Riley asked me to read this in advance. It's quite it's quite a long article, and I read it, and I genuinely and I I don't I don't want the listeners to think I'm speaking hyperbole here. We have read a lot of very silly articles on this show. Yeah, I think we and they're always part of what we do, and they're always very silly, and we always go, "What a silly article!" And then mm. we go about our lives. This article is, I think, personally, hands down, the most unhinged article I have ever read in the course of this show. Second most unhinged. What was the first? Shoes. 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 No, but you see, shoes was kind of whimsical. This this is as unhinged as shoes in terms of being as but disconnected from any malicious, kind of point. Yeah. But malicious. Yeah. I saw like like she is like howling at demons and apparitions that appear only in her own mind, but which are also not even scary. Even the even the demons she imagines are sort of weirdly it's like, well that's not why are you why are you howling at that? That's right. Well, we we read a Julie Birchall article. That's right. She can't decide who she hates. That's what I find fascinating about the article. It's an article that's about hating four different contradictory tendencies. And I'm like, what is this article about? I, I personally like the way it ends, but I think we're mm. gonna get to it. Yeah. Uh, the article is called Glastonbury sums up everything there is to hate about rock music. Now in the, in Milo, the spectator, of course. Now, mm. Milo, as the re- resident Britonologist, can you give us, give us just like a two-minute rundown for our American listeners? Glastonbury. What rock music is, right. Um, yeah, Glastonbury is um, a massive music festival which takes place in the West Country in June every year. It's like I think it's like pretty much one of the biggest in the world. I think uh, it's like kind of like British Coachella. There you go. Um, but it's so, like somewhat very- hippie, somewhat crusty. But yeah, not exclusively. It's, it's a real like British like kind of tradition amongst sort of like people who consider themselves like cultured, I guess, like in that mm. sense, like both ranging from hippies to like music people to like it's like a big it's like a very, very middle class mm-hmm. um, pilgrimage vibe. Indeed. So Julie Birchall's Glastonbury article. Mm. My Summer at Glastonbury, or not at Glastonbury, as the case may be, by Julie Birchall. Aged 56 and all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glasto. The diminutive makes me shiver with distaste. Like Peely, as his fans affectionately called the late DJ John Peel, schoolgirl admirer and all-round creep, it sums up everything S- uh, I don't right. like S- about sentence, rock music. Sentence one. Glastonbury is like a nonce. Yeah. yeah. This guy who was a pedo. <laughs> I'm reminded of my years as a teenage reporter at the New Musical Express. Julie Birchall, go a paragraph without doing I used to write for the NME challenge. Impossible difficulty. Also, don't full name the NME. What's wrong with you, Birchall? Come on. <laughs> Coming home. Maybe she just had some bad AirPods. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, like, like, like to do like a safety alert. Uh, there are some bad AirPods going around the festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ju- Julie Birchall's Twitter app, Booze and AirPods. Yeah, uh, look, if someone gives you an AirPod, take a quarter, see how you feel. <laughs> Do not swallow the whole thing. Uh, it. it sums up my... Uh, uh, excuse me. I'm reminded of my years as a teenage reporter at the NME, coming home from some rancid punk club, having pretended to enjoy the drones lurking or the lurkers droning, and dancing around in my room to the Eiley Brothers until the sweet soul music chased the awful white racket away. I'm honorary I, black me. That's the first thing you need Julie to know. Julie Birchall does not want to be uh, fully white, first of all. No, because I if mean, you recall, she she basically did write a whole book about how Judaism is kind of a mindset, and if you think about mm, it, anyone can be. Mindset. Was this the one that had her like curled up on the floor crying, holding an Israeli flag clutched to her breast? I think yes. Uh, I oh. listen. I I understand very well wanting to like divest yourself of whiteness, but the correct way to do it. Is to like convert to Islam and transition your damn gender. Yeah, 
right. It's also funny that she's like picking out punk music as an example of like the whitest thing she can think of. When sort of punk music is quite a like kind of anti-status quo, like like go to an Oasis concert, like by all means, but like you know, it's sort of like very oh, yeah. and like in in general, just like if you want to talk about very white genres of music in Britain, like throw a dart at any British genre of music, and you're likely oh, as mm. not it's going like, to be insanely full of white like people. for example, I think most of my a, a lot of uh, like say like uni mate group chats, the question mm. isn't are you going to LCD sound system, it's which night of LCD sound system did you go to? Mm. Um, okay, so yeah. when Lenny Henry Glastonbury, pointed, I love you, but you're bringing me down. <laughs> when Lenny Henry pointed out how pale faced Glasto is, I wrote that this was because black people are less inclined to blow hundreds of pounds for the pleasure of using fetid toilet facilities between bouts of glazed staring at a stage so far away. Ah, race science, is it, Bertrand? <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> Let's go. <laughs> the very normal opinion about this. Yeah. Mm. Um, it. With staring at a stage so far away, it might be Billie Eilish, but it could easily be Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, noted. Re- really yeah, reaching for a second, for a second, like B sound, a second I, Billy I, there. I find it odd to, you know, take the a large event in Britain at which a large amount of people are in attendance and point out that it's mostly white, as though that's something to remark upon in a country where the demographic is eighty six percent white. It and, strikes and, me as- and then go. The, the reason for this is that black people are too smart to fall for this obvious yeah. scam. Mm. But it's like they're, they're as too... opposed to white people who were like created in a lab by the scientist Yakub, where to he like tinkered with, yeah to fall for scams and to go to music festivals. Yeah, yeah. yeah flim flams and things of that nature. Yeah, of course. Uh, so you know, she complains that it's very expensive, but then said, "This is where we sort of get to the meat and potatoes of the article. Mm. The meat politics of woke are easily absorbed by the uber privilege." Having in common the belief that the proles are horrid and must be managed. It's an article about a music festival. There's not enough black people because it's too woke. <laughs> make it make also, sense. The, the abstraction of the word woke from black people into her applying it as a white person to talk about other white people is that's that's been a historical process that needs to be mm. studied. Uh, mm. Never have I seen so many white people in one place. There were more black people on stage than in the audience. Tellingly, they were paid to be I, there rather than having paid yeah, to be I there. I have a real beef with the word tellingly, because tellingly to me is the I am very clever of British opinion piece writing, where mm. it, it, it essentially what it signifies when you say tellingly is, I am making a very clever point. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because then I might have to mm. explain the point. But just know that yeah, I'm making That would one. be telling. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. This is tellingly. Yeah, tellingly. it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tellingly, it's also it's just such a like weird abstraction of just like I'm taking something which is extremely normal and making it sound weird by saying it in a weird way. Like, ah, oh, a black artist who tellingly was playing Glastonbury because they'd been paid to play Glastonbury. Tellingly like paying a major music acts, festival. If you follow my meaning. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, is 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 the ex? The also other thing, right? Is that I think part of the. Because I, 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 when I look at this article, you, you can't sort of treat it as a kind of text in itself. Rather, you have to use it as a way to try to peer into whatever the, the, the psyche of the opinion writer. Yeah, which in this writing. case is mostly Julie Birchall's horror of being white, which, mm. I mean, fair <laughs> enough, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. But also, the, um, the other thing I think is the, uh, the kind of... Um, the disdain for it, it's it's the idea that I think that a lot of people have that the 1990s was the first middle class decade 
and everything from the 1990s onward is fundamentally middle class mm-hmm. and everything from the 1970s is fundamentally working class mm. um and I, I think it's the this idea right that you know um anything that is uh anything that if if you are the um avatar of of working classness right mm-hmm. uh then everything that you hate is um must therefore be somehow sneering at you yeah. and so Telling it's almost like yeah. yeah and so but i love booze and fags so those are working class and, and so what she does <laughs> is she goes to she looks at glastonbury and then says oh i guess this is a big fuck you to me then mm-hmm. yeah i went to glastonbury and they wouldn't let me sing because i have a voice from the pits of hell <laughs> um so it says, watching the gurning crowds, I recalled Glasto of 2016, and then she just makes a bunch of... <laughs> the gurning crowd. Yeah, far from the gurning crowds. Yeah, there we go. She like owns them for being posh. Because yeah, it just of, says, not, oh, like, I remember in 2016, I felt personally slighted because not Brexit. everyone was immediately thrilled yeah, about Brexit. Yeah, William yeah, but, Smackeray. But, the, but then, but then we get a beautiful paragraph with, with your permission, Riley. I would like to read this. Please, one. please, please. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> though I don't like festivals in general because of their subterranean standards of hygiene, you can just choose to be clean. Gl- you Glasto, can clean yourself and bring changes of clothes if you're there. Glasto, How is subterranean Glasto, a standard of hygiene? Hygiene, well, it's like moles. Glasto <laughs> is more Glasto is more irritating than all others because of its political pretensions. Its mm. symbiotic relationship with the similarly Palestine pandering Brexit hating BBC is what? a notable what? one. <laughs> what are you talking about, Birchill? When has the BBC ever pandered to Palestine? Well, I, I think realistically <laughs> it says that any this is the, the interpretation of your common spectator writer. Uh, yeah, as a species, is that uh, anything that is not an enthusiastic endorsement of everything they want is... Yeah. Um, is is, is yeah. this Palestine pandering BBC coverage in the room with us? Um, mm. t- to the yeah. extent that it appears to be the foremost annual works outing. Before COVID, they sent a whopping 300 staff here, more than they did to the World Cup. Tellingly. that's Now that's telling. Telling, tellingly. Yeah. Tellingly, because a 90-minute football game requires, you know, as many stuff as a fucking, like, multi whatever. Yeah. I dare say it'll have been roughly the same this year, after which these parasites will go back to piously detailing the poverty of those who have to choose between eating and heating, while blithely ignoring the burden the TV license puts on the poorest. Yeah, let's fucking spinning the antenna in my radar van. Uh, I this feel is like, this is specifically this is a crypto turf talking point by the way because this is a thing that they love to talk about uh that they have this uh I would say not backed up by statistics idea that like 80% of the women in prison are in there for TV license violations what Listen, yeah. the moment you try and explain this shit to a normal person, they just start blinking at you. So, we continue. Uh, yeah. Riley just texted his girlfriend, so I'm just wondering if he has anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's also like the, um, number one, this just reminds me of uh, what Boris Johnson wrote in his uh, fiction book. He tried to write about um, sort of uh, like the Guardian writing about poverty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried to. He there was a character who was a Guardian journalist who was mm-hmm. writing about poverty very cynically in that in that book. I remember. Mm-hmm. And Julie Burchill is written exactly like Boris Johnson writing about people writing about poverty. She, she's fallen into the like the the elephant trap yeah. of well, being satirized I, by Boris Johnson. I, but look, I mean, you, I'd wonder like if, if Julie Burchill maybe 
the fake TV radar van actually like did give her BSE. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, 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 yeah, the radar van is real to her. But look, yeah. here's the thing. Here's what we, the real sort of pinnacle of this article, which we're going to get to now, which is uh, the high point was President Zelensky's appeal to the crowd. Uh, yeah, and then did she, a duet with Paul McCartney. And then uh, you know, she details what would have been an admittedly strange speech to listen to at yeah, Glastonbury weird vibes about Ukraine. Yeah. Go off, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, regarding hey, the mess. Jude. <laughs> Regarding the, 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 the filthy mess left in their vast playpen by this monstrous regiment of Peter Pans, ingesting... Hold <laughs> on, hold on, hold on. That's no, like Milo, a radio Milo, Milo, It on. gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> hold on. Ingesting laughing gas with, while Kiev burns, it was hard not to compare the softness of our society with the strength of the Ukrainians. That's fucking <laughs> and wonder Let's fucking if we would withstand the invasion of a superpower in the same way. Which makes me ask... What do you want Glastonbury to be? A recruitment desk for like the territorial defense force of Ukraine? Yeah, big recruiting base. Yeah, mm. no, it's a uh, you could you can you, you go to Glastonbury and then um it's just a a, a a long video scroll of like Steve Bray apologizing for uh for his like you know EU protests and then just um. Uh, everyone who's ever slighted you, admitting that they were wrong and you were right, and yeah, then the just a recruiting desk. rights pavilion. Yeah. Yeah, and then just a recruiting desk for any of the armies that Julie Burchill admires. The youth of today would rather listen to Paul McCartney drinking cider by the glass than volunteer to save people in the Donbass. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about our society. Like, what does she, she, she want me to fucking do? Like, instead What's of going, Russian for tellingly? <laughs> like, Glastonbury this year has been, what, replaced by, like, a fucking artillery duel? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I think we'd go for for yeah. telling me. There we go. Well, uh, uh, mm. Zlam- what is it? Znamichitlna. Me- so meaningfully, literally. Uh, yeah, so look, if uh, Julie Virtual, why don't you go start your own festival? <laughs> yeah, please, please do. We'll yeah. go. You're, uh, we will all go to your version of Glasgow. It's entirely like grime and drill music. <laughs> and you also have to volunteer for the Ukrainian army at the end. <laughs> no, no, you could also volunteer for the IDF. That's oh, yeah, true. you could do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like you UCAS all... clearing. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the IDF, but if I don't, I've got the Ukrainians as like a backup. <laughs> you can get into the IDF with three Bs if you're from a deprived area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, look. My uh, personal statement for the IDF. Yeah, uh, weirdly, mm. the Arizona state of. Um... I would relish the opportunity to police Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> it's long been my passion ever yeah. since I was a young boy. <laughs> it's weird how they turned this music festival <laughs> into. Um, into a training compound where you learn how to like clean, <laughs> clean and rapidly rebuild an M16. But who doing, cares? doing a UCAS personal statement for the IDF is a very funny idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it's about that time. Uh, mm. We all have to go. So from me to all the we'll listeners, have to go kiss each other um, and sleep in right. a big bed. Mwah. All right, love you, everyone. I mean, love oh you. no, not oh, that. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Uh, that's right. No. Um, I love um, you too, buddy. <laughs> Well, Jilly Virtual, what are you doing here? I love you, I love you too, Milo Virtual. I, I love you guys. You're some of the only people who read my articles. <laughs> all, right, all right. I always respect a fan. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to TF. Um, donate to a uh, strike fund. And then once you've done that, don't forget we have a Patreon for a second episode every week. Uh, it will right. be coming out in a few days' mm. time. Uh, have we announced our various... Tours and live dates yet? Uh, Edinburgh Fringe Show, 26th of August. I'm not sure if the tickets are on sale yet. If um, they're not on sale, just get excited about them. Just get excited. Amp yourself up. Just get my hyped, own Edinburgh show 
Fourth to the 28th of August, not the 15th. Don't try and go on the 15th. It won't be happening. I'm uh, going to go on the 15th. Previews for me, uh, fucking um, uh, the Seckford in London on the 12th of July. That's <laughs> Tuesday fuck night. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fuck the Seckford. I'm also doing a double header preview in Worcester on the 22nd of July mm. with um, Hal Cruttenden. Tickets for all of that is on my website. There's also going to be one on the 29th of July in Deal in Kent. Do you live in Kent? Do you live in Kent? Um, y- it's 10 p.m. Do you live in Kent? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's 10 p.m. I'm not sure that the tickets are on sale for the Kent one, but if you live in Kent, deal, beautiful deal, a wonderful deal, one of the best deals I've ever seen, um, come to that. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, cool. Uh, we'll see you all uh, variously in the things that we've described. Yeah. Very, very soon. <laughs> all right. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 